0: Let's get this thing rocket jack. Welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show as we're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. This is our Friday edition as we're on live YouTube, Roku TV, and Facebook. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary Boxing Hall of Fame writer himself, Jack Hirsch, as we're going to update you on a lot of a lot of the things that have been going on in this week in sports. We'll preview, preview some of this weekend's action, and our guest today will be our NFL analyst, former NFL star, Byron Williams. We'll have Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk on, and we'll also have the Philly Sports Guys. We do every Friday, Jack. That's our three steady guests that always end up coming in and sh- sharing their knowledge and their education and everything else with us. Okay, so I'm making sure right now everybody got the link, and they did. And Well, well
1: you're the coach, Mac. If we have to have less guests, let's say – there were time limitations. You like a coach would have to make cuts. I don't know who what? you would cut, you know, out of that group, because you got well,
0: three all-stars. <laughs> you got to manage your time, Jack. And that's what you that's what I try to do here anyways. That's crazy as you get as it gets sometimes. We try to keep everything on an even keel. But sometimes it's fun to go off 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 script a little bit and, and talk a little bit about something that we didn't think would come up, but does come up. So that's the interesting thing about having guests on. And, of course, your mind races all over the place. So uh, I just got to kind of stay with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't stay with myself as you're talking. I'm thinking, what's taking the Yankee so long to sign Brett Gardner?
0: Yeah. I go I to the that.
1: Blue Jays. You see the way my attention span is? We have yes. all this news, and that's what's on my mind at this I, at I, this particular second.
0: Yes, yes. Brett Gardner is always on your mind, Jack. So. Anyway, let, let's let's get to some of the scores and 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 the stories from uh, yesterday. March Madness, of course, going to the Sweet Sixteen now. Arkansas it's Gonzaga, Gonzaga. Uh, Villanova beats Michigan. Duke beats Texas Tech, and Houston beats Arizona. A couple of stories we'll cover in that. Jack well, Gonzaga
1: Gonzaga was defeated yesterday by yeah, Arkansas. Yeah yeah, 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 it's yeah. For Gonzaga. It's not March Madness, it's March Sadness.
0: Yeah, very nice, yeah, very nice. Gonzaga seems to always have March Sadness uh, at the end of uh, of it all. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that with Keith. Also, you know, Coach K is still alive, right? So um, his last year as a coach, he's still relevant, and Duke is still relevant. So hope, let's see if he can go all the way with Coach K this year. Well, if
1: St. Peter's wins tonight, what is the bigger – story of the tournament going over the what's the biggest sentimental story coach k making a run to win the ncaa tournament or saint peter's uh a miracle type team winning the tournament what would be the more compelling story of the two you know if one of, if one of them had to win it out of the two you know which one stirs our emotions a little more the snow white underdog. the dog or the old lions last stand,
0: yeah, that's a great question, Jack. I mean, I think he, I think that pre- pretty much, I think because of Coach K's popularity, it might be Coach K, but St. Peter's is a huge story, as, as you said, playing today. And uh, again, we'll talk a lot about that when Keith comes on. And the NHL scores, Jack Bruins beat Tampa Bay three to two. Tampa Bay doesn't look as strong as it did last year, I know it's not playoff time. But it's just, it's just something about Tampa Bay this year. They don't seem to have the team they had the last couple of years, Jack, or am I just
1: uh, back to back cups in a row and they're trying to repeat. I think they know what it takes at this point. And I think they understand the regular season coming in first. It really doesn't matter that much. And, uh, I think they're peaking for the playoffs and also yesterday to lose to Boston. Boston's been surging. Yeah. They've been as hot as any team in the NHL. So uh, they've been on a heck of a run themselves.
0: Very true. Very true. Boston is playing lights out lately. The Panthers beat the Canadians 4-3. to The Stars get by the Hurricanes 4-3. to The Islanders jump out fast on the Red Wings and win that game 5-2. to The Flyers beat the Blues. Yay. Go ahead, Philly. Uh, Wild beats the Canucks. The Senators five to two over the Jets. Oilers five to two over the Sharks. Chicago beats the Kings four to two. That's because I praised them yesterday. And the Knights, uh, again, another team that's normally around the top, sitting like in fourth place right now with a chance of not making the playoffs. So uh, again, we talked to Carter yesterday. So he said he's not worried about the Knights, Jack. He says they're a good team, They'll be
1: No, good team. well, they gave up a bunch of prospects, you know, for Jack Eichel. And uh, you know you want the Jack Eichel deal to pay dividends immediately. The Buffalo Sabres they get the prospects, they can wait on them to see how they develop over time. But when you make a deal for a star player, you really want to see immediate results because that's yeah. why you made the deal.
0: Right. I would I would expect a nice stick, and they got Eichel. Give him a shot at the at the at the Stanley Cup. And right now. Um, they won yesterday, but it, they're kind of up and down. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, NBA: The Raptors one seventeen, Cleveland one hundred four. The Grizzlies wrap up a playoff berth. Good for them. One thirty three to one hundred three over. Game of rats
1: been out, Mac. Yeah, you know, he's been out for a couple weeks. more weeks. Yeah. So uh, that you know what the sign of a good team is, Mac. When you're playing well, when you start players out, that's the sign of a good team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean a surprise. Everybody talks about Morant, and this team looks solid without him. So, I mean, you know, who expected the Grizzlies to end up in second place clinching a playoff berth here this late in the season, Jack? I didn't expect it. I'll tell you, Morant went second overall in the draft the year.
1: He came out with Zion Williams. Zion went first, of course, to the Pelicans. Zion put out a video showing him jumping up and down, dunking the ball, to want to show people that his foot has been fine because Zion's been out quite a while with the injury and the injury concerns how it could threaten his career. Now where it comes out, he wasn't medically cleared to do that video. I'm not sure that you, you have to wait to be medically cleared per se, at least officially, okay? But maybe Zion was a little too overly enthusiastic. Maybe that's a good thing showing he wants to get back in action. But uh, Zion Williams, you know, he's going to have something to prove when he gets back. We know he has all the ability in the world. We know he could perform. But can he stay on the court? That's the big question.
0: Why do you think he did that? Just, I mean, I think there's more to it than he just wanted to show he's okay. I think he wants to stay relevant. I think he wants to stay in the news, too. and. And you know, to me, if I'm the coach or GM of Zion, I'd be like, "What the hell are you doing, man? We're trying to get you healthy again for next year. You're you're done for the year. What does that do? I mean, what what? Why are you doing this when when we got all this money invested in you, and and we want you healthy for next? Suppose he, suppose he rolled up his ankle again. <clears throat> I don't. It get could it. have
1: happened. I get the feeling that at some point, the Pelicans are going to trade Zion in a major deal. Right. But it depends which team has the chips, the assets to give for him. And it's going to be a risky deal. A team might give a few draft choices away and you know, make the type of deal that OKC. Okay, I mean, they used to make when they traded hard to the yeah. Nets what they got in return. But it's risky, you know, because of Zion's injury history. It's not his ability. It's how he can perform. We know he could perform we know he'd be an immediate impact player. But once again, I mean, you make a major deal for a guy who, you know, might only have a year or two left in his career for that if he keeps getting hurt. so
0: What would you do, Jack? If you were a GM, say you're a GM of uh, the, let me get, uh, the Timberwolves. And, the, Timber, and, and, and uh, the Pelicans come to you and they say, you know, Timberwolves got a good young team. We'll give you Zion Williams for maybe a player or two or maybe a couple draft picks. I mean, would you make that deal right now? If they came to me
1: for Carl Anthony Towns, I wouldn't do it. You know, the Timberwolves have slipped under the radar. They're about 10 games over five they They're playing much better. Carl Anthony Towns is playing as well as he has since his rookie year. And maybe he has his career in focus. He's had tragedy in his life. His mother died during the COVID uh, crisis. So he's, you know, had a chance to do a lot of reflection. And he's been great. I might make a deal like, let's say, for D'Angelo Russell, okay? You know, if I'm the Timberwolves, trade D'Angelo Russell, try to get Zion. I don't think you'd get him one for one but maybe a couple of number one picks. I would roll the dice when it came to Zion, because I'll tell you, a healthy Zion Williamson is potentially one of the top five players in the league, more than potentially. Let me say straight up, if he's 100% healthy, I say Zion Williamson is one of the top five players in the NBA, or, or will be, you know, or I's on the brink of it. You know, I would put him up there with Luca, maybe even ahead of Luca. I'd put him maybe even ahead of, you know, uh, wow. I don't want to start listing the names, but I don't think if five players better than Zion. If Zion has it all together and all cylinders are running.
0: Yeah, that if is a big word, though, Jack. That if is a huge word. The Bucks without the Greek freak, uh, Giannis, without Middleton, beat the Wizards 114-102. to 102. I think they both could have played Jack if they had to, but why, right? I mean, you, you know you're in the playoffs right now. This is where you start resting players with even minor injuries to make sure they're healed uh best you can. So even without him, it doesn't matter. They still beat the Wizards, which, you know, is in a huge accomplishment. But it's something, right? I think Milwaukee's the
1: happiest team in the NBA. There's no turmoil. Giannis has been unbelievable. Giannis likes seeking out fans, you know, at courtside and walking over to them and talking, having his photo taken. It's a relaxed atmosphere. You know, Drew Holiday, Middleton. I mean, they're not stars per se, but they're a great supporting cast. Yeah, You know, and Giannis doesn't have an ego that has to say, oh, I'm the best player in the NBA. I mean, I asked him not that long ago who he thought was the best player in the NBA. He says, oh, I think it's Kevin Durant. Yeah. And Giannis doesn't even care whether you rate him in the top 10. He just loves playing basketball. And he loves the city of Milwaukee. Yeah. It's a phenomenal story. And the Bucks have been, they haven't been lights like South. They've been playing well, but not lights like South. You know the team that intrigues me? They've been far and away the best team in the NBA this year, the Phoenix Suns. When you suffer the type of loss they did last year in the finals, you're up 2-0 in the finals. You lose four in a row. That could carry over to the next year and deflate you. But they've come back strong. And Chris Paul, it's been out weeks, and they've played excellently in Chris Paul's absence. Now Chris Paul is going to be coming back. He's going to be there for the playoffs and phoenix you kind of wonder they're going to hit a bump or the other teams going to catch catch up to them come playoff time because they've been the best team you know throughout the year clearly and all they have to do is keep playing the way they have and not slip and they're going to win the nba championship but of course mm-hmm. easier said than done
0: well i mean they wrapped up number 1 seed yesterday beating Denver 140 to 130 <clears throat> but I think the West, believe it or not, this year, Jack, and it's been changing, is weaker than the East. I think there's three or four teams in the East that could go and win the championship. And the only thing I see over there that that would win the championship in the West is Phoenix. I don't think any other team um, – take the Grizzlies out of the equation because that would just be a miracle season, and it does happen. But if you look at the teams, team for team, top six – I think, I think the East, four of those teams, could win the championship, uh, and all they got in the West to me is Phoenix that could win the championship.
1: Yeah, early in the year, Golden State was hot. They won fire. They were matching Phoenix. People thought they had a serious chance to win it. I don't. They're going to they're gonna be getting back their second-year player, James Wiseman, who could contribute, but uh, I just don't see Golden State carrying it through. I, I just don't. Utah's always – intriguing with donovan mitchell rudy gobert you know they have clarkson off the bench who could be a hot shooter they're always intriguing but every time we get high on utah yeah. they kind of slip they slip up they find a way to mess up you ever they meet do. a person that way mac they yes. seem solid but they always find a way to screw things up yes and that's my feeling with Utah and Denver, Jokic, you know, I mean, they got off to a slow start. They're playing really well, but, you know, they just don't quite seem to be, you know, of that championship caliber. You know, who could, if, who could come out of nowhere and jolt the heck out of us, the LA Clippers because Paul George is on the verge of returning I think K.Y. Leonard might be able to come back this year. I don't know what his status is exactly. No one's talking about the man. No. no. But a healthy if K.Y. Leonard could come back in form with Paul George never have a good coach in Tyron Liu. No one speaks about the job Tyron Lou does with his two-star players out. He has the team a couple of games over 500. you know, throughout the year. He has them competitive, representative. I mean, that's what I call a good coaching job.
0: I agree. I agree, Jack. I agree with you 100% on that. Um, uh, we talked about the Pelicans. The Pelicans did beat the Bulls 126 to 109. I'm starting to lose faith in the Bulls, Jack. I'm starting to like, lose faith in them. They can't beat the big teams. Now, the Pelicans just beat them. But when they play contenders or, or playoff teams, they don't win. I mean, they'll beat up, for the most part, the, the, the teams underneath them. But I'm—I I thought in the beginning of the year, you know, and by the middle of the year, let's put it that way, that the Bulls were a legitimate championship team. I don't think that anymore.
1: Uh yeah, they got off to a great start, didn't they, under Billy Donovan? Uh, and now they've come back down to earth. But I don't think there's any pressure on the Bulls. The Bulls can get eliminated in the first round, and I think the year's still been a success because they took the next step. Right. You know, I've said this before, Matt. Sometimes when a team overachieves for one year, that's the worst thing that could happen to them as a franchise because if you overachieve one year and you slip back the next year, people become disillusioned. You know, a couple of cases, the Atlanta Hawks, they overachieved last year. They beat the Knicks in the playoffs. They beat the Sixers in the playoffs. And all they are is a 500 team right now, and people are disappointed. Maybe the Knicks themselves are a bad example. They were fourth seed last year. That was phenomenal. They had no business being a fourth seed, and now they're not even going to make the play-in tournament. Had the Knicks last year just improved? Uh, Any team, if you just improve in increments, get a little better each year, people are going to be content. But if you take a big leap forward, and then you don't take a step forward the following year, and you take a couple of steps back, even though you might be ahead on your long-term schedule, people become disillusioned.
0: Yeah, it's about perception, Jack. You're 100% right. Let me
1: tell you something. You mentioned the tournament, the Pelicans You talked about. They're going to be the last team, it looks like, in the play-in tournament in the West. One-game playoffs. Zion's back. They can win that one game. Now they have a longer series. And a team like the Pelicans who would have been about 12 games on the 500 or thereabouts when all said and done could actually become a serious contender. That's how crazy, you know, the NBA could be.
0: Well, from what I, from what I read, Jack, now I, I, it could be wrong, but they said that Zion was shut down for the season. Now I don't know if they meant the regular season or if they meant the whole season. I'm not sure. So, you we'll to see wait You and see. see him I,
1: jumping and dunking the ball yeah, yeah. and talking yeah. about how great he is. And yeah. if Zion wants to play bad enough, you know how it is with athletes. If they want to play bad enough, they push the doctors. And then the doctors see, well, I guess he can play, you know, if he really wants to and uh there are ways to rush guys back, you know. It's true. It's, true. Uh, that's, it's true. And the team might want to do that. They might want them coming back also. So, uh, well, I, I, yeah,
0: I don't know if I, I, don't know if they would want to if they don't have a chance at the championship, and I don't think they do, Jack. So maybe in the
1: tournament. If they're in the yeah. playing tournament, you know, for the one game and he's ready to play, it's hard to keep them out.
0: I, I, I do understand that. Backstage right now, folks, we got our NFL analyst. Former NFL star wide receiver, uh, Byron Williams, played most of his his known, uh, 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 as known as the Giants receiver. But he played with a bunch of teams and played in different leagues and was uh, valuable to all the teams he played with, Jack. So let's bring him up for a little bit of NFL analysis. And here he is, Byron Williams. Wait, 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 wait.
1: Back. you're saying different leagues all over the place. Didn't you say in the past show that Byron was an MVP candidate in Germany? Yes, true? he was.
0: He was, he oh, was okay. definitely an MVP candidate in in Germany. I'm not sure what sport that was in, but I know he was. Uh, so, so Byron, welcome to the show. We love having you on, messing around with you a little bit, and a lot has happened since last week we talked to you. I know you probably covered it. In fact, I know you covered it on your show. But I want to I want to get this going to the crowd that's up early and and maybe doesn't have a chance to watch J and B Talking Shop Wednesdays. 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. A little quick plug for Byron and Jim Jeffco. So Byron, two huge wide receiver signings, right? And you being a former wide receiver, I know you wish you were playing today. Uh, Adams goes to the Raiders for 20 something million a year, and Tyree Kill goes by him, going to Miami for one for four years, 30 million dollars a year, a bunch of guaranteed money. And I want to ask you point blank because you're a team guy too. I mean, I know I know you love wide receivers and you love the playmakers, but is these trades really worth the draft picks and money they had to give up to these guys being a position player? I mean, you have Devontae Adams who was like 30% of the Packers offense. I think if you give if you give Aaron Rodgers me and you, he'd still throw for 50 touchdowns. Uh, as wide receivers, and the Raiders are really a physical team. At least they have been in the past. They haven't been a really big passing team. They run the ball, play good defense. That's how they beat the Chargers last year. So this kind of changes both teams in a way. But is, is a wide receiver worth that amount of money against your salary cap when it's still a team sport, Byron?
2: Well, in this day and time, I, I don't think they worth that amount of money. But right now, because it's a team game, I mean, these guys could get hurt easily and, you know, you have to replace receivers. And, you know, that's one position that you have to have at least five good, good players, I, I, you know, in order to compete. Because of the longevity and the long season, um, you know, they, we, they play in an 18-week schedule. Uh, one week, of course, is off, but 17 games. It's a lot of physical um, – and, you know, it, it's hard to see how many players can play all 17 games plus the playoffs with the way they play and compete now. So it's a lot of money. Um, these teams now, I think, is wanting to see if they can get to the Super Bowl. I think that's that's the main focus that these teams are trying to do. But uh, for receivers, I, I just think, you you know, we had five receivers that played all the time. You know, we interchangeable because certain guys can do certain things better. But right now, you know, Adams and Hill is two of the top receivers, and I guess, you know, they're taking advantage of getting paid um, a substantial amount of money, and um, $30 million and $25 million or whatever the case may be, And those positions, is something new. We had never seen that this day and time. So it's the same time, I guess, for players to to, to make, take advantage of the, of the guaranteed money that they're getting, so – I just want to see how it's going to affect the game. It might be devastating to the game. Then on the flip side, if these players can stay healthy, it'll be a big plus for the teams they're going to.
1: Now, Byron, I'm going to pose a question. I never thought of this before. It just popped into my head now. Of all the star players in all the positions in the NFL – the ones with the biggest egos amongst the stars would be the wide receivers. I think, I mean, I think quarterbacks are too busy and have too much to do to let their egos ever get in the way of anything. But now you have Tyreek Hill going to the Miami dolphins. He's got to be the man to his way of thinking, but you have Jaden Waddle on the other side who might prove to be as good as Tyreek Hill going forward. And, can this two-receiver thing work? I know it can work with the right guys. Right. But, you know, being a Jet fan, we saw with Keyshawn Johnson and Wayne Corbett, Keith, Keyshawn Johnson was about the most selfish guy you could see. He had to be the guy putting his teammate down. And how's Tyreek Hill going to feel if he can't do everything he wants? Is he going to be a negative on the team? He doesn't have Patrick Mahomes thrown throwing to him now. He has two uh who might be pretty good next year, but we don't know. So what might play out? What's the worst-case scenario? Ego well, is there.
2: In my opinion, I think the worst-case scenario, I hope he can be a team player because I, he, you can see from time to time that he's, he's selfish. He wants the ball. He, you know, he come off the field first-rated sometimes, um, and Patrick had to force the ball in there to him some. And maybe, I don't know if Tua is ready for that, but he definitely gonna want that ball, and I hope they have enough ball to spread out. Hopefully they can create an offense, and the chemistry for waddle and and, and Hill can can you know make it make things happen because of the combination routes that you can create on the offensive side of the ball. But you know, I hope they you know this time and this day in time, they do throw the ball a lot more. Uh, you know, instead of running the ball. 40 to 50% of the time. Now they're throwing the ball 70% of the time. So it's a different game. Um, but, you know, hopefully you have enough balls to go around because, you know, Walter had a great rookie season and, you know, he, he was very impactful and it's going to create a he- headache for the defense. But I, I just hope that um, um, Tyrese can be a team player and be a leader and bring something to the to the Dolphins that they've never seen before. And we're going to see if it's going to work. Um, you know, I, I just think most of the time in most offense you have one key guy that they really, you know, um make the Pro Bowl. Or the other do you see both receivers make the Pro Bowl or have um, you know, uh, Tyrese had 111 receptions last year, almost thirteen hundred yards and nine touchdowns. And and I just think um, you know, maybe the maybe the new coach uh, can Mike can do something that's exciting for the for the offensive side of the ball, but you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge for them to create something that's gonna be special. Well, let me let me piggyback on
0: what Jack said. All right, these two receivers come from teams and quarterbacks that are two of the best in the league. Right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball eighty yards, flicking his wrist. So can Patrick Mahomes. Right? So they're not, they're going to quarterbacks that really can do that. I mean, not saying not saying uh, um, Carr doesn't have a strong arm, but he's a different quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. And you know, you got Patrick Mahomes that can throw sidearms 60 yards for God's sake. Two is not that type of quarterback for sure. I mean, he's a dink and dunker. He uh he's accurate, but he's not throwing the ball up there 60, 70 yards. And that's where you want Hill to to burn something to open up them rounds. If I'm a safety, and I playing 40, 50 yards off the ball, and Tyreek Hill goes by me. Why am I gonna be worried about him? Because if, if two can't get on the ball, that really don't matter to me, really, too much. I mean, I don't have to play him tight. I gotta be in the area, but I don't think two is gonna throw it 60, 70 yards in the air where Patrick Mahomes can. I gotta be worried about that. So absolutely. Absolutely. So so Byron, so this is what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, you're you're talking about wide receivers. That play for the two best quarterbacks in the league, Bar none. I mean, these two guys are are legitimate Hall of Famers if, if Mahomes keeps playing the way he plays, and there's no reason why he shouldn't. Right. They got two strongest arms. They extend plays. I mean, and the and the surfaces are a lot different, and the weather's a lot different. I mean, how do we know that these receivers are gonna have the same success? You got Hill going down, playing in humidity, uh, natural grass, uh, Late in the season, he's going to be sweating. He's not going to be playing on that artificial kind of grass he does in Kansas City, where he can use his speed. I mean, right. they may, they may just be good receivers, and not great receivers. Byron,
2: yeah, it's it going to be a lot of things that going to come into effect. But I think too, if they can get together this offseason and maybe get some timing down and get you know and and, and get used to each other, uh, I think that'll be good. That be that'll be the key. That'll be the best thing. Of course, uh, Derek Carr and Adams, you know, they played college, fo- college football together, of course. But I still say that they need to get together this offseason and see what the, the best, you know, case scenarios on the best routes. But definitely Tyrese Hill is from my—he's from Florida, so he may be used to that weather, but he's still here a little bit older now. And some things have definitely changed for us, his body types and all that type of stuff. But I, I just think, too, uh, hopefully um, – the style of offense is not the same as the style of offense in Kansas City, so they're gonna to have to make some adjustments. And I think if they if they work together this offseason, this and this is where you win your championship in the offseason. And they get get a lot of you know reps down and get to know each other and know some of the best moves that uh, that they see on the football field. Then I think they can take advantage of that That's if they good. can get together in this offseason.
1: Well, Tua had a cannon of an arm when he was at Alabama. So the thought that he can't throw, he could zip the ball in. I think what's going to be extra important is the leadership thing. This is Tua's third year. I think Tua's going to have to show he's the guy in the huddle, not take anything from anyone, that he's the boss. If Tyreek Hill is going to be in charge of the huddle, and Tua's going to be following his lead, they're going to be problems in Miami. I think right. what are Tua's leadership qualities? He seems like a quiet guy, but we don't really know. We haven't been around him. And I think that's the big test. And he also has Teddy Bridgewater looking over his shoulder, okay? Because if Tua should slip in his performance, you know, I don't think the Dolphins are going to hesitate at some point to bring Bridgewater in. And this is Bridgewater 16. He won't be the long-term answer. But once Bridgewater takes over for Tua, it's basically over for Tua in Miami. Then it just becomes a matter of time. And then the whole team is messed up.
2: Yeah, exactly. And if I was 2 I'd be excited because, I, I you know, they do put some weapons around me now that I shouldn't have no excuses. That I can showcase my talent and what I can do. You know, uh, he do throw a uh, lefty, he'll lefty. He throws some different uh, – it's a different spin on the ball. So, I, I just think also with Cedric Wilson coming from the Cowboys over there to them as well as another uh, plug for them. So, I'm excited to just to see what they're going to create. And, uh, you know, they got a smart coach. Uh, the coach that they they hired probably one of the smart elite coaches in the business. So, I'm, I'm just excited to see what, what's going to happen in Miami.
0: So, now, Byron, if the Raiders or the Dolphins don't make the Super Bowl in the next three years, say, is this trade a bust?
2: It will really it will be a considered a bus because right now that's what that's what they're trying to do they're trying to position themselves to go to the Super Bowl in the next two to three years exactly you know everybody's trying to use the same model that the rams used last year you know the to to get these free agents players uh players that been in the league players that are supposed to be dominant uh to see if it're gonna really make them put them in that Super Bowl uh race that's what they're doing
1: Guys, this Tyreek Hill deal reminds me a little bit of the OBJ deal. You know, when OBJ went to Cleveland. And he went to Cleveland and OBJ, you know, his performances started to slip. And then he goes to the Rams and he has kind of a rebirth, okay? And maybe the difference was you have Matthew Stafford throwing here with the Rams instead of Baker Mayfield. So you kind of wonder what Tyreek Hill this. Anything less than Patrick Mahomes, you know, and anyone else virtually is going to be a come down. So it's going to see, you know, let's see how he copes with it, Tyreek Hill. But as you say, Byron, you hope he's mature enough to handle the situation if there's some adversity, because it just takes one Terrell Owens type receiver to cause dissension on the team. And there's a trickle down effect because, I mean, you could vouch for this, I'm sure. Tell us about this. There's certain factions in the locker room, right? When there's dissension, some guys support one player, some support the coaching staff, and that's and it's really bad for the team when they're different factions. I think.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I, and I just think if you can keep positivity in the locker room, and, and 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 you got a good position coaches, and it's a lot of things that's in the mix. But one thing that I think is very important, I say this again, is what they can do together during the offseason and spend some time together. You know, you you heard of guys going in and spending time together uh in the offseason. I I think that's the one intangible thing that got to happen with a lot of these teams. These guys need to know each other. They need to feel feel good about some 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 position of throwing the ball and where to throw the ball. And of course it's it gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see who can, you know, who can make those big impactful moves that uh from the offseason uh, things that happen in the offseason. So it's very important that these guys get together during the offseason. Then you see old Belichick bringing back
0: defensive backs and sending, citing defensive backs. The man is not stupid. The man knows what's going on over there in, the, in his division. Exactly. And another <laughs>
2: factor, the defensive side and how these defensive backs can make these adjustments as well. Because I just I just think you only have one ball. You, you, you got to remember, it's only one ball. And so you can't throw 10, 10 balls to every, every wide receiver that you have or the tight end that you have. So it's going to that be might a be, key.
0: That might be a new rule change. We may start using two footballs just to make it
1: <laughs> I mean, there's so many changes going around the NFL. It's hard to keep track. I thought, you know, the draft is coming up last year. There were five rookie quarterbacks. The one who had the best year, because he had the best team, basically, was Mac Jones. Right, and You get the feeling with Mac Jones, his ceiling is went as far as it could go, nearly, which is good. But the others, I mean, how much pressure is there on a the second-year quarterback? Because really? the other quarterbacks really didn't quite perform last year up to expectations. Really? And Mac called it to his credit because last year before the draft, Mac just didn't like the quarterback class and everyone else seemed to like it. And for the time being, at least Mac is... You know,
2: proven to be right. Yeah, that's and hats off to Matt for doing that. But I, I, I tell you that uh, Matt Jones, um, he went beyond expectation. I was happy that he brought the the New England Patriots back into you know into the competition uh, page for us going to the next level, which they needed. They needed somebody exactly like that. And uh, I'm, I, I know Belichick is is, and then plus, it's depend on the coaches that you have. I think um that's a factor that people forget. Some of these new coaches, they got a lot to learn. And I just see, you know, we just gonna see if they can bring in some magic. But you know, football is deciding to watch now. It's it's what you what have you done for me lately with these coaches and, and how many games that they can win. But this this is gonna be an interesting season just to see how because there's so many different transactions that happened this year. And um, and this probably considered one of the best draft for a pool of talent, a young players. So uh, it's getting exciting to watch football now again, you know.
0: Byron, you know, I want to piggyback on what Jack just said because that was going to be one of my questions to you. You're going into a second year. I've heard sophomore slumps. I've heard this is your year. You got to take that step up. I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of different different opinions on this, and a lot I think has to do with the situation you're in, right? So you look at Fields, who plays for Chicago. Chicago. Is in the midst of changing everything because they, you know, they got they got the new GM, the new their new uh, head coach. You look over at San Francisco. We really don't know what Trey Lance can do. He really didn't play that much last year. We know what Garoppolo can do when healthy. You got Zach Wilson, who is in a rebuilding team. Um, and I mean, I, I guess you can't put everything wrong with the Jets on Zach Wilson if he has a bad year. I don't know if you can blame Zach Wilson. I mean, there's so many different situations going on right now that quarterbacks and different. We talk about Mac Jones. Well, Mac Jones had a good year last year on a very solid team uh, that's you know around 500 anyways the year before, and mm-hmm. of course they're going to improve with a with a with a step up a quarterback from what they had the year before, but now Mac Jones comes in and 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 you know he's. It's the second year. It's a field second year who played quite a bit. It's Zach Wilson, who, you know, had a had had really had a hard year last year under the Jets. I mean, what do you look for? As a, say you're a coach of any one of these quarterbacks, what are you looking for? I mean, can you tell if these quarterbacks are gonna make it next year? Or do you got to give them a few years to
2: develop? I think for one, it's, a lot of them did, you know, did good to come in a uh, first-year player in the National Football League because you have to make that adjustment. And I just think, you know, of course, Zach Wilson got hurt a little bit uh, with the Jets, and Fields was in and out, up and down. You know, uh, you know, they had some, they had some momentum changes with their with their style of play over there in Chicago. But uh, I, I think, you know, all of them did well for making the adjustment. Uh, Second-year quarterbacks, but I, I, I do think um, they could put their teams in position to win more games. I think with the players that they put around them for the offensive linemen, the blocking schemes, and things like that. Look at how many sacks they did. did. Look at what what Joe Burrow did in, in, in Cincinnati. You know, he they 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 sacked him on eight ten game eight and ten times a couple of games, but he came back and just just the way he the way he brought his minimum. Uh, capacity and what he did for his leadership and, and things that they did on the football field was awesome. So I, I think now you got a couple of players, um, second year quarterbacks can do the same thing as Burrow did uh, with, with Cincinnati. So Burrow did it in his first year. Justin
1: Herbert did it in his first year. And, you know, Justin Burrow had no blocking in his first year. He did get injured, but he performed. And the guy in, you know, last year's crap, Trevor Lawrence, Ray Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, you know, they didn't perform nearly as well as Justin, you know, as as Burrow did.
2: Yeah, but uh, but you know, yeah, exactly. And 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 uh, you know, and Justin Herbert, I mean Justin, um, uh, you know, I just think Justin you know, Herbert but,
1: had a great rookie yeah, himself, you know, his first year.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I just think you got to do with your offensive line, the protection, and and the style of of. Uh,
1: had no protection as rookie, year and he performed much better. He had none.
2: Oh yeah, it, it, he's he's kind of like he's he's in the class almost by himself. Now I'm thinking, if you want to uh your quarterback, you have to look at how he came in it and and played the played the game up in Cincinnati. Exactly, I agree with that.
0: So I guess, so I guess, I guess Byron, uh, if you look at it. Just look at it and absorb everything that happened. You know Burroughs, if he don't get hurt, is going to be a great quarterback. You know Herbert, if he doesn't get hurt, is going to be a great quarterback. And these other quarterbacks are still iffy to me. They're still iffy. Even Lawrence is still iffy to me because he had his problems. So we know off the rookie years that these two quarterbacks are going to be great. I don't think we know that of any of the quarterbacks last year if they're going to be great, they might become very good quarterbacks and maybe something happens where they become great. But the tea leaves don't say that. If you really look at what happened last year, it don't say that because even with the great year, Mac Jones supposedly had, which I don't think was great. I think it was good. Um, right. He really didn't take the team like Burroughs did or Herbert did in their first year and put it on his back and win the game. So right now, Mac Jones can't do that. We know that right now. So to me, what's going to happen this, this year, Byron, and, it's, and some of it's going to be the quarterback's fault and some isn't. If these players don't step up to the plate, these second year quarterbacks and start putting their team on the back, at least a few games and win them because of their determination. Let's put it that way, or leadership. I don't think they're going to be, I don't, I don't think they're going to be in the same class as these other two quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. And I just think too, that the style of offense, again, that they, they these Amazing. guys are playing, along with the offensive line for its protection. Uh, but, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I, they 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 are going to be second-year players. They're going to be tested this year to see if they can get to the epsilon for the, the competitive part of what quarterbacks should be in the National Football League. Agreed. Well,
1: you talk about quarterbacks. The draft is going to be interesting. New Orleans is probably going to draft a quarterback, understandably so, because Jameis Winston is, would probably be the starter right now. So they're looking to draft, but the Steelers are intriguing. Reportedly, you know, Mike Tomlin is looking at Malik Willis very, very carefully, and he just got Mitch Trubisky as Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. You know, Dwayne Haskins would probably go in that scenario where they would move on from Mason Rudolph. But it's very interesting because I'm sure Mitch Trubisky wasn't going to the Steelers unless he thought there was a good chance he could be their long-term starter. And now Tomlin would draft the quarterback. I wonder, do you think he would have told Mitch Trubisky we're possibly looking to draft the quarterback in the first round?
2: I think I think yes. I think they sh- they probably should have told him that, and um, and he should expect that because you know still question mark on. What he can do for us, uh, being able to uh, take the team to the next level, I think, what he did in Chicago. But also I think him getting on a whole different team and a new environment would help him as well. So I'm excited for Mitch because I think he's he's the player that can really bring some new – are you excited
1: for him if Tomlin drafts a quarterback in the first round? How excited can you be for him? You got to have
2: two good quarterbacks. I, I
1: agree with that concept. That's one thing. But, about but, the NFL. but how many they don't put emphasis on backups that are very important? But if they're drafting Malik Willis, it's not for him to be a backup the next few years. They're looking to start him by the second season.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with that. But but you still have to – you know, you can't put – the first-year players are still the first-year players. I mean, how many guys have came in and really made the impact for his quarterback? You, you you have one or two guys every year. I mean, maybe there's two, two of the three, two of the five quarterbacks coming out in this draft. They could probably come in and do that. You Don't still got good. to have that adjustment. Trey Lance, same way. They, they, they had to take their time with these guys. Some guys ain't quite ready yet. So it just depends on the maturity – and how fast they can make the adjustment to the speed of the game, and how they and how they can g- get in with the team, the team chemistry for us, what they can bring to the table, and leadership is key at quarterback position. You know that, That's so right it, it, right it just it just think it just depend on what package and how much experience and how much confidence these these quarterbacks have. Let me right, tell you, come come who, come guys,
1: forward. you know who I'm getting disgusted with, Pete Carroll. He keeps saying Colin Kaepernick deserves another chance. Well, then give him a darn chance. Okay? (laughs) Who does he have? Drew Locke and Jacob Eason as a backup? I got the drink on that. Colin Kaepernick's been off five years, might be highly overrated, is what he could contribute at this point, but I could guarantee he'll contribute more than Jacob Eason as a backup at the very least. To stop okay. saying that over and over and over. That's but you what know what, that, Carol. He's in position to give him the chance. So shut up, Peter. Do it.
2: Right, and then you're exactly right. But I think too, when you are sitting out of the league, the game two, three, four, five years, you ain't the same. I don't care who you are, it ain't the same because you your your body then shake a
1: beast in. He's better than Jacob Eason with a five year layoff. Jacob Eason couldn't move the ball with the Giants last year when they threw him in a game. What if he didn't gain
2: what if he did fifteen to twenty pounds and he he got yes. a lot of fat up on his arm? Irony's
1: still better than Jacob Leave
0: leave leave Jack to bring Colin Kaepernick a non- No no no. I'm trying to it's make the point. Well, what, what what this Steve is the Carol point Colin, mentioning I understand it, and it. I love it Colin Kaepernick is not a good quarterback anymore. He wasn't when he when he left, it had nothing to do with the knee. It had something to do with the knee. Let me put this, let me put it the right way. It had something to do with him taking knee. He was no longer a quarterback asset for the 49ers, period. And he's not a great asset right now. I'm tired of hearing about him. I, if he, uh, I, if he, I agree. If, he, if, he, if, if he gets another chance, then good. I'll pay attention. Until then, Pete Carroll can sing songs about Colin Kaepernick. He can hang out with I don't care what he does. Until
2: he gets Pete back. Carroll, his, go ahead. I was going say Pete Carroll is 70 years old. He needed to go ahead and retire. That's yes. what I mean, yes. I mean yes. now,
1: Pete Carroll brings the topic up. So it becomes newsworthy because uh, Pete Carroll says, oh, he deserves another chance, but he's the one that could give it to him. I agree. So I agree. The, I, and I'm looking, I could understand he was said at quarterback, Pete Carroll. Then that's fine. He says it. He doesn't sign him, but Jacob Eason is his backup.
2: Yeah. He, I, he, I, that's...
1: Quarterbacks anyway. I could understand. I would start Drew Lack right now ahead of Colin Kaepernick, of course. Drew Lock's been active. Jacob Eason here. Come on, guys. It'll, never mind who the heck his third string quarterback is. I don't even have a clue there. But.
0: Again, uh, uh, let's talk about let's talk about a real quarterback for a minute. Uh, we have Matt Ryan going to the Colts. Kind of reminds me of the Philip Rivers situation, right? Where he's good enough to bring the Colts to the playoffs if he plays well, which he normally does. He's a consistently good quarterback. Uh does this make the Colts a Super Bowl contender, though, Byron? That's the question I got for you.
2: Well, you know, it was hot last year going into the last couple of weeks of the season, and everybody was talking about they didn't want to play the Colts. So if they can go, go in with that same – and then Matt Ryan – I mean, Matt Ryan can bring something that's incredible, his experience. He don't make mistakes. You know, he's been consistent. uh One of the top quarterbacks was quarterback ratings and things on the field. So, yeah, I, I think the Colts – it's going to be an AFC contender. I, I just think the style of play. They got one of the best running backs in the league. So I think I think um, the, the Colts is up there again because at the end, did nobody want to play them last year at the end of the season? And something, uh, you know, when Carson wins them. Just couldn't get it done with him. So I think this is, this is a good move for the Colts, Really.
0: And they pick up Woods, right? They get Woods from the Rams, which is a good he's a good receiver. He's not heard. Yeah. So I mean that, Didn't Roy Woods
1: go to Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. No, I might Woods, be wrong. To Robert Woods, Woods.
0: Woods the I think went to the Colts. I'm almost positive went to the Colts. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive the Colts scooped up Woods. So um but I but but you it. know that's
1: that's an issue in itself. Robert Woods has been an elite receiver for the Rams for a while. So he gets hurt in November, right. they win the Super Bowl, and it's sayonara. It just shows you the coldness of the NFL, how it's they just move on from guys. And they want players to be loyal to the team. You know, I'll, I don't know how it feels to be a player in the NFL, but if I was one, i get the feeling, you know, I would just look for what's best for me. I mean, I would be a team player once I'm signed. But I would just – I wouldn't have loyalty towards the team per se and feel I have to stick with the team out of loyalty because at the end of the day, where's the loyalty? Look, Atlanta just moved on from Matt Ryan. Exactly.
0: Exactly. It is. exactly. They had to, right, guys? I mean, they, they went hard after. Uh, Who is uh, that quarterback?
1: Who's quarterbacking the Falcons? Josh Rosen's the next guy, and I'm Mar- sure he's not. Mar- no, Marcus. Mar- Marcus Marcus oh, Marcus Mariota, right. Yeah. And
0: Jack, yeah. you are correct. You are right. correct. He did go to Titans, same division, different team. So, oh, okay. He does go to Titans, uh, which will help Tannehill out.
2: Uh, oh, he went to Titans. Yeah, Titans, you'll be good.
0: Yeah, yeah that cool. was but, a
1: question to uh, Ryan Tannenhill – had such a bad game in the playoffs against the Bengals, thrown three interceptions and bad interceptions. A couple of them were really bad. There was talk that Tennessee might actually move on from Ryan Tannenhill this year, but they're sticking with him. But I think Tannenhill is going to be under the microscope for Tennessee.
2: I, I think so too as well. I, I think I think that's one, that's one team that might look for another quarterback.
0: Yeah, who knows, maybe uh, Baker. We'll end up at Tennessee and, and and right the wrongs over there. Poor now Baker. I'm
2: trying to think where Baker gonna go. I'm 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 really excited to see what gonna happen. For, for XFL Baker.
0: XFL XFL USFL. Uh, poor Baker, he will be, uh, <laughs> he will be unaffected.
2: Um, oh you know, man.
0: I know, poor Baker. Known for his commercials. Jacob
2: Eason, the backup for the Seattle well, Seahawks. I want to say this though, Jack. That's why you don't wear your ego on your sleeve because the NFL don't care. You got to get, you got to have some tough skin to play in the NFL because you can wake up today and, and tomorrow be a whole different new team yeah. that you have to go to and adjust to. So you're only good as your last play. I don't care who you are, uh, yeah. but you know they only loyal to the quarterbacks.
1: No, I understand with the salary cap, it becomes harder to be loyal. I, I understand that. But what I sometimes don't understand, if one team wants a guy enough that they're willing to pay him X amount, how come the same team that guy's been on for years doesn't want him the same way to pay him a similar amount of money to keep him? That's what just, I sometimes
2: don't understand. It just can't do with that sour cap. That just, just, i just I, it.
0: I didn't understand the question, but anyway, uh, you know, that was kind, that was kind of
2: jumbled up. So you, you getting, you getting a, getting a re- relief pitcher and all that mixed up with that football. Yeah, uh, let me
1: let me tell you. I thought of you guys. I was looking at a newspaper a few days ago in my a Miami paper, and it talked about Teddy Bridgewater being the relief pitcher for Tua. <laughs> Okay, they use the exact words, and I felt vindicated completely after you guys laughed at it because that's what Teddy Bridgewater is—he's warming up in the bullpen, you, you, you coined,
0: in there, loosening you up. You should have coined that phrase, Jack. You Maybe even made a couple of dollars. Off.
2: I like that phrase, yeah, and, I, know, I'll, and I like that long snapper too as well.
0: Yes, yes, the long snapper—very important position in football. this position in
1: the NFL to get guys to dig someone up a long a effective long snapper yes. we take these guys for granted but if they screw up a long snap they can mess up a game for a team
2: sure. yeah they, they're the most consistent players on the team for sure
0: yes sir so uh byron again as always thanks for coming in friday and and going over the nfl news with us we enjoy having you check out byron williams with jim Chip coat Every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central on j b Talk and Shop, where they break down all the NFL, the Cowboys, the Giants, and even throw in some other sports there as they uh, give you their opinions as former great players in the NFL and players in sports, which you really don't get anywhere else. I mean, you don't get that a lot of that uh, that kind of experience and talk on a lot of shows like me and Jack, where we just kind of, well,
1: I, no, I got to say the difference between Byron and Jim is Byron is more of a disciplinarian. And I could tell, I like that Jim really isn't. He's lackadaisical case in point uh what? Cincinnati Bengal kicker he's wow. watching a halftime show with another player. And yeah. I say to Jim, he should be suspended the first game of the next season without pay Jim is saying, Well, they're young men, you got to let them grow. You got to this, that he, he's watching the halftime show during the Super Bowl rather than being in the locker room. And what about the position coach? Did he report it to the head coach? Yeah, That's deal with him as well. That's ridiculous.
2: Really, ridiculous.
1: you're playing the Super Bowl game, and they say, Jim says, Well, he's only a kicker. Well, what about when Sean Payton tried that onside kick in the Super Bowl with the Saints and the Colts? Can you imagine the same kicker had been watching the halftime show during that time, and they're looking for him planning the onside kick? I mean, ridiculous.
2: Well, I'm glad you straightened him out because he's getting a little bit better on the show. I tell you yeah. that. No, he's good on the show. It's just
1: he's got to come down. You know, I mean, I think they ran like a loose ship at Dallas that
2: way. So he's used to that. <laughs> they did. You know, he uh, he was in the air, to Todd Jones and Randy White when he first got in the league. So yeah, he he's right. still having he, some.
1: He needed yes. to play for Bill Parcells to learn a little discipline there.
2: And we thought he was watching us when when he was living up in New Jersey, but evidently he was he had a brain fart.
0: Yes, yes, he was. He was watching the Jets play, I think,
2: Byron. Yeah, I think he watching the Jets exactly. Yes,
0: I do too. So,
2: <laughs> Byron,
0: again, thanks for coming in. Check him out on JB Talking Chop Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Byron, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in, my friend. Have a great Friday.
2: All right, We're going you, we going fishing. Me and Jim going fishing tomorrow. I'm gonna beat him fishing.
0: Yeah, you you beat him fishing. A uh, uh, defense alignment versus a wide receiver, you
2: should be able to beat him fishing. See, he gonna uh, worry about he gonna worry about eating the fish. I'm worried about catching the fish. Right, right, right. So Jim's not competitive anymore. Oh
0: no, I mean, my God! I gotta tell him that. I'm I'm gonna have to call Jim when we're done with this show.
1: No, no, no! I'm basing it on what uh, Byron's telling wow, me. I'm wow. it on now that. he's throwing Byron
0: and under the
2: bus. Now he's throwing you under the
1: cap. Jim would sooner go and buy fish from the hey. fish
2: so don't don't cat. We got to tell Tuttle Jones too what he said. Oh, definitely,
0: definitely. Uh, we will definitely. You guys got to take care of that for me. You guys know Tuttle better than me. So <laughs> take care of All that. All right. And we'll schedule too tall to come up to New York one time and maybe do a boxing match. And maybe i will see.
2: Maybe i will see.
0: Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. That'd All be right, great. You okay. Big, I'll see you. All right. There you go, folks. The great Byron Williams, our NFL analyst, who joins us every Friday. We're going to go ahead and take our first quick break. And on the other side, Keith Angle from TGI sports will join us. To talk about March Madness, the Patriots and the Yankees and a bunch of other stuff that he covers. We'll be right back. After these messages, folks. So please uh, stick with us.
3: Presents Chester Cheetah. I'm Chester Cheetah. I'm just a cool dude in a loose mood. Until I see those cheetos. Then my cool turns to drool, my style and ease surrender to my urge for the snack that goes crunch. uh, It's not easy being cheesy. Cheetos cheese flavored snack. Cheese that goes uh, crunch. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS.
1: McDonald's is our kind of place It's such a heavy place hep, 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 heavy place A clean and heavy place McDonald's is our kind of place It's such a heavy place McDonald's is our kind
2: of place Your kind of place
0: McDonald's believes in getting food to your kids before they get to each other Such good food too McDonald's famous french fries Triple thick creamy shakes lean beefy cheeseburgers and hamburgers, icy cold soft drinks, and here's a plus, spill-proof lids on all beverages, another plus, napkins that are big as a bib, quality, cleanliness, extra care service, that's McDonald's, a total value that's unmatched anywhere. McDonald's is our kind
1: of place, it's such a happy place, McDonald's.
3: Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey. I'm making stew tonight. Ooh. Can you come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, Visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Here comes the king, here comes the big number one. Budweiser, beer the king is second to none. Just say Budweiser, you've said it all. Here comes the king of beer, so let your glass let's hear the when call. You say, but but wiser beer's the one that's leading the rest. When you say Bud, and Beechwood aging makes the beer at its fair. When you say Bud, one taste will tell you, so loud and clear. There's only one, one wiser beer, when you say Bud, you said it all. Yeah, da, 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 da. If you talking, they will hear you oh, no. every single time. Now we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt. That's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. <laughs>
0: This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports.
4: Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports.
0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, on our Friday edition live on Roku TV, YouTube, and Facebook. So uh, we'll be on a different other platforms as the day goes on, as we share our our show to everyone and everybody. And, uh, you know, that's what we do here anyway, Jack. We try to get our show out there on multiple platforms. Later, we'll be on uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and also on um, Pandora, iTunes, about six other uh, audio platforms. That way, if you do miss any of the shows during the week, you can listen to us on any of those audios as we continue to update you in the world of sports. And backstage right now, Jack, we have uh, one of our favorite guests to come in every Friday. We have Keith Angle. Um, from TGI sports uh, a great show great host does a lot of great things over there at TGI sports including the college huddle and he's all over college basketball and of course that's what we're going to start him off with because that's the biggest news uh good morning Keith how you doing good morning guys how are you doing great doing great Um, Keith has gotten
1: two of his big wishes recently the Brian Hoy extension and the Yankees moving on from Gary Sanchez he has got those
0: two out of the way. I'm living large over here. I can tell you that. Yes, yes, you are large as that microphone behind you, Keith. So we're, uh, we're 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 of course we're going to the Sweet 16 uh, games yesterday. Very interesting. Gonzaga gets upset uh, again. They don't get to the national championship or win it. And a question for you, Keith. I, I don't think it matters that much. But if Gonzaga keeps getting to, you know, certain certain uh, marks during the uh, NCAA tournament in March Madness and doesn't win it, do you think it affects their program negatively or or do you think them just getting there keeps their program pretty solid?
4: Yeah, I think given, you know, the league that they play in and whatnot, getting to the Sweet 16 and, and heck, they've been past that most years. Uh, the last six or seven, they've been in the Elite Eight more often than not. In the Final Four, you know, three times, I think, in the last – uh, since 2017, I don't think it hurts the program. It, it it hurts their, you know, like Mark Few's legacy if he doesn't win. But remember their coaches as, as great as Dean Smith went decades before they won national championships. So this is, it's not like, this is a unique thing. And I think a team that consistently can get there and, and move on in the tournament, it, it, it's very good for recruiting. Yes. You'd like to win one, but I don't think it's going to hurt their recruiting at all.
0: I don't either Keith, but they're upset. Uh, Yesterday, of Arkansas, Villanova wins 62-53. Duke keeps Coach K's season alive. uh, Yeah, Texas Tech. Uh, Another late run. A pretty tough bunch of kids, right? I mean, they—they're not—they're maybe not the most talented team he's ever had, but they really got a lot of heart over there
4: you know they they've been in trouble at the end of the Michigan State game uh, last Sunday and again last night and they made uh, they they had a strong kick at the end and and took them over the finish line and i think they're playing on a lot of emotion i really think that Michigan State game Sunday may have been a springboard i said on my show Wednesday that type of game can springboard you and carry you a long ways that type of emotional you know they had a 22 to 6 run to to win that game against Michigan State and um that kind of, it can take you a long ways as far as emotion goes. A lot of emotion carries you a long ways in this tournament. You need talent, but, you know, emotion helps.
0: Yeah, definitely. It definitely does in any sport. No, you
1: know, the, the Gonzaga game was kind of frustrating to me because it seemed they were straining to catch up all game. They shot very poorly, but as the game's winding down and they need three-point shots uh, – They take the ball to the basket, and you only take the ball to the basket in that situation if the other team's going to give you a quick two, and then you could go for an immediate steal and then foul if you don't get it. That's the only way it makes sense, but they take the ball to the basket, and shots would be blocked. They'd be off balance. It just made no sense, you know, the way they were executing at the end of the game.
4: This this was an interesting game for me, and I liked Arkansas. And I've got a, I actually have a futures bet that's going to pay a nice amount of money if Arkansas wins this tournament. Um, but I didn't. I thought this was the worst matchup Arkansas could have got last night, um, because Gonzaga takes care of the basketball, and Arkansas likes to turn teams over. They play a, a a pretty stiff defense, and but it got to be the kind of game that Arkansas wins. It got ugly, and and that's the kind of game they went. They they play very well, and they didn't shoot the ball well last night at all. I mean, I think they shot about 40 percent from the field overall, like 28 percent from three. And I just don't you know, again, they they play a relentless defense and they force other teams to get out of their game like uh, like Gonzaga did last night. And that's the key to winning this tournament. Right. Controlling the tempo of the game is so important. And they they did a great job of it last night.
0: Speaking of which, uh, Houston beats Arizona. A lot of people. Another
4: great. Right. another fun. great point Houston controlled yeah. the tempo of the game and Arizona was out of their their element and uh, I I've, I've been kind of deriding Houston as being a bit of a fraud the computers all loved them you know and and these advanced analytics and stuff that people love to get into today love them and I thought the eye test said they were overrated and I'm wrong cuz you know Calvin Sampson's done a great job with this team they're they're looking to go to their second final four now in 2 years um, and just a tremendous job rebuilding this Houston team that's had a pretty good tradition, but, you know, had been down for quite a few years before Samson got there. So great job uh, out of Kelton. You know,
1: the NCAA tournament might be the cruelest tournament in sports because every everything is one and done. You talk about the NBA play-in tournament. Teams don't want to be in the play-in. They want to be in the playoffs because anything could happen in one game. And that's what's happening in the NCAA tournament. It doesn't necessarily reflect the best team. Just one bad shooting game, and you're going home.
4: And that, but that's also kind of the charm. And what really attracts people to this is it's you know sudden death all the time. And and why you can have teams like St. Peter's, right? They couldn't go beat Kentucky uh, two out of three or, you know, four out of seven ever. But on any given night, they got a chance. And and you have you have these great stories because of it. Yeah, Speaking of St. Peter's, and as our,
0: our, our one of our analyst co-hosts, Jim Jeffko, said, of course, they're going to be good because they are from New Jersey. New Jersey has a lot of tough kids in the streets <laughs> there. So, uh, right. that, will, that kind of puts St. Peter's in a different position. But anyway, they're playing today, Keith. Um, yep. They're taking on Purdue. Purdue would be a heavy favorite. But listen, St. Peter's, I love their coach. I love their coach. I love how calm he is. I That's got to work on the kids. I mean, I saw a coach win yesterday, and he's acting like he just won the championship. He's yelling and screaming. Not St. Peter's head coach. He's like, they're supposed to be there. They're supposed to win. And that's the kind of, uh, it looks like to me, that's the kind of control he has over that locker room, which in this type of tournament against these types of teams, you can't go out there being crazy. You've got to be calm, and you've got to play your game and, and try to get in the other team's head. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if St. Peters won today.
4: They they could win. I don't think they will, only because in this case, the size of Purdue is just so, so, so. They got two seven footers that are very good offensive players. That's going to be a tough matchup for St. Peters. But would I be, would I be shocked if they won? No. And I think he, this is one of the great stories of the tournament. And, you know, you look, for, I look for winners and losers outside of the games themselves, right? And obviously, St. Peters getting their first tournament win ever the MAC, which is a really strong basketball conference when you look at it. Iona, Siena up here in the Albany area. It's a good basketball league. St. Peter's uh, is consistent. The teams out West, Niagara and and Canisius can be good teams, you know, given uh, in any given year. It's a boost to a league like the the MAC to get their first Sweet 16 team. Holloway, to your point about him, he's the most soft-spoken coach and calm coach I've ever seen, I think, in college basketball. He's one of the, uh, I think after the Kentucky game, he was being interviewed. He's so calm in the interview. had to say, you know, coach, it's hard to believe you're not nervous. And, and, and he goes, it's just basketball, Yeah. you know, at the end of the day. And it's interesting. St. Peter's this great won't run. They're going to end up on the losing end of this because he's not going to be their coach anymore. After this year, he's either going to Seton Hall or, maybe even a better job if it opens up, but probably he's going to go to Seton Hall to replace Kevin Willard, who took the Maryland job. And yes,
1: this St. Peter's run remind you a little of many moons ago when Seton Hall had that run? You know, to the NCAA finals. So no, St. C- Hall C- H- 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 was
4: a much better team, though. I mean, they were they were fairly high. I I don't remember the seeding, but they had to be in the top four for sure. And they had some really really good players in are playing in a, in the big out of the. They're coming out of the Big East, which was r- the real Big East then. So I I don't know if that's it's a better matchup or met- a better. uh um, comparison would be, you know, teams like Florida Gulf State a few years ago and George Mason, who actually made it to the final. I'm thinking four. of the
1: New Jersey link.
4: That's oh, New, New, New Jersey, Jersey link. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's good for this. You know, th- not a lot of good things seem to come out of New Jersey. I hate them. Oh, boy. Good, good thing Jim ain't on today. Oh, dude. I hate to say that. I yeah. mean, Jim's a good thing to come out of New Jersey, but I mean, yeah. come on. I go to Newark and it's just, there's a bad smell there wherever I go. I don't know. Wow. What
0: Wow! Uh, all the Jersey viewers were sorry. Yes,
4: I I, I'm never going to get another Jersey viewer
0: ever, right? I'll tell you that was that was terrible. So the games today. Let me get your thoughts. Besides St. Peter's, <laughs> it seems to me that you're gonna you're picking uh, Purdue. I'm going with St.
4: Peter's. I want them to win. Kansas. I am going to take Purdue, but I, I would be happy to see St. Peter's win this game. It would be a lot of fun if they did. Yes.
0: Providence of Kansas, then uh, North Carolina, UCLA, UCLA Iowa State. Miami of Florida. What are your thoughts on those three games? Keith? I,
4: I think Providence and Kansas is entering is interesting matchup. Kansas has played very well in this tournament, uh, mostly because Remy Martin has been uh, who they moved to the bench has played really, really well. And they, he's been a guy who's been really up and down during the course of the year as his team had had a couple of lulls. I mean, they've got a great record. They've only got five losses or six losses, but, uh, I think if, if Remy Martin continues playing as well as he did the first two games, uh, Kansas will win tonight, and Providence's run will end. Providence, though, this comes down to a close game. A lot of people have have given Providence a hard time this year and said they're lucky because they won so many close games, so many overtime games. But those are the, times, the type of games that toughen you up and get you ready for this type of game tonight, which I think will be a close basketball game. And again, I like Kansas, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Providence win this game. UCLA. UCLA,
0: yeah, that was yeah. my pick to go all the way, Keith. Everybody thought I was nuts. Uh, no, we still do.
4: No, I think you know, it wasn't a bad pick, Mac, because I said a couple of weeks before the conference tournament started, UCLA had been through a really rough patch. They had some, you know, they had one of the probably worst COVID issues of any team this year, um, and had some major injuries as well. And they were getting healthy at the right time. And I said, this is a team that's been here because they had a, that's most of this team has been here through this final four run last year when they had to go from the first four to the final four, which had never been done before. And uh, the experience and Mitch Cronin, I think is a really good coach. And I thought they were getting hot at the right time. And if they, they continue doing what they are doing, they would make a run through the tournament. And I like them to beat North Carolina tonight, even though this is a much improved North Carolina team from where they were mid season. Um, Hubie Davis has done a great job in his first year here, uh, replacing uh, a legend, which is no easy task in itself. He's done a very good job with his team this, in year one. So I like UCLA tonight.
0: Iowa State in Miami of Florida. Uh, Miami, Florida does have a good team. Iowa State, the last Iowa team there, both uh, had a lot of hope for both those Iowa teams. Iowa State is still around. What do you like there, Keith?
4: I had Iowa going to the final – Iowa going to the final four, by the way. So them losing the first round killed me. This game tonight's a matchup of 11 and 10s. I've been – I didn't think Iowa State should have got in the tournament. I've been very vocal about that on my shows, and they proved me wrong. They deserve to be here. This is a team that was 2-22 and 22 last year, 0-18 in the Big 12. This is an amazing turnaround uh, for this team. They've done a great job in the tournament. But I got a feeling about this Miami team, and it's not just because I have my uh, U hat here behind me, but Jim Laringar has done a great job with his team. They take great care of the basketball. They have little trouble like uh, some teams do in this tournament still, getting the ball in a basket from time to time. But I like the way they protect the ball. Jim Laringar, their coach, was the coach of George Mason, who I just mentioned was the, the lowest seed ever to get to the Final Four. I think they were in 11 that year. God, it's like 15 years ago. I think it's a long time ago now. But he's been there. That helps the team out. They got some veteran guards, which helps. And I like Miami to win this game tonight. And by the way, upset Kansas in this final uh, and go to the final four. Well, we've we've heard your prediction, Keith. So we'll take it with a grain of salt. Yankees, Yankees. Right. <clears throat> Yankee. forget I got yeah. Arkansas. Like it's, I predicted them two months ago. But yes, anyway. yes, you did. Yes, then sure. I soured on them. <laughs>
0: Yankees Yankees uh, are in the midst of talks with the Oakland A's. They've been in it for the last couple of weeks. I have a couple sources over there with the public relations. They've been trying to get uh, Manea and uh, the the big picture there, Montas uh, Montas uh to the Yankees, and their Yankees are trying to protect their two coveted infielders, uh, you know, Volpe and uh, Peraza. Uh, yep. without without getting rid of them. There's still talks. They might get one of them. What do you think about that? Do you think the Yankees and Oakland do finalize a trade before the season begins? Uh,
4: I, I think it's possible. I, I, again, they do want to protect those kids. I don't know to get where they need to go. They're going to be able to protect both of them. Uh, I think one. they're going to have to make a choice. If I had to make a choice, I think I'd keep Falope, actually. But there's people who think that uh, Peraza has a, b- a bigger upside. We'll find out um i like both the guys that they're talking about bringing in though so you know if i can get both of them (laughs) for one of those kids i might do but i'd be afraid of trading a one up one for one uh uh, for either one of those guys and giving up one of those kids can we get marin hicks or something Uh, i mean we could could. i
1: think brian cashman's really feeling the pressure now because we're a couple of weeks or so away from the season beginning and the teams have basically made all their moves. I, I agree with not signing one of the stud shortstops because you're going to be covered in that position with your two great prospects, you know, the next year or so. But they don't have pitching. And the Donaldson deal was the main deal. And it, that doesn't quite do it. I mean.
4: I don't I don't like their offseason. I don't understand how Carlos Correa signs what virtually is a one year deal. He signed a three year deal in Minnesota, but he's got options out after one year, two years. So it's a one year deal. The Yankees could have made that deal. I don't understand how, you know, in the Twins. No, they team, would have I, had to
1: give him three years. Let's no, say he had, no, no, Keith, it's I, a one-year I support deal. the Yankees. Let's say he had a North year, year one. He's not going to be a free agent at the end of the year. He's going to go to year two. And let's say he has a North year, year two. Then he's gonna to go to year three, pick up the option, and try to have a good year. In the meantime, the Yankees, you know, Volpe, Pedraza, they're gonna be ready to step in within the year. So I, I kind of support that.
4: I know I look at if I got to move to create a second base. I mean, Volpe and, and, and Peraza, if they stay, maybe the double play. One of them may go to second base anyway. But again, if you want to win this year. Then I would have signed Korea to the, con- the to the contract he signed with Minnesota. I would not have signed him for seven years, but nobody else was either. That's why he signed. Labor
1: Torres is going to have a big year this year. Mark my words. You know, I don't think he's I think, going to be an, a, a big asset to the Yankees this year as their second baseman.
4: I hope so, but I, I, you know, I have my. I think Tory's a good player. I think he will rebound. I'm unsure if he can rebound here in New York. That's my concern. Well, you now, know, I, I, I do. don't.
0: I don't, I don't want. I, I just don't want Correa. I, he's he's a, he's he's a. I, I just don't like. Him. I don't like Correa. Period. I don't care how great a shortstop. Either. There's a lot of good shortstops out there. I just don't like the guy. So if I was a GM, I'm I'm right. just, just because I just because I don't like the guy, I would not take Correa. I don't care if I could get him for. Uh, and Keith, they have to
1: deal with the Aaron Judge contract situation because Aaron Judge has to feed his family.
4: Yes. Well, <laughs> look it. Look, at, you know what? The Yankees for years, you go all the way back to George Steinbrenner. They loved everybody else's players more than their own. Sure. We give Stanton huge contracts. We give Arod huge contracts. But guys who come up through the system and earn their stripes, we, we let them walk. And, if, and again, there's danger here. And that's not just Aaron Rodgers. This decision will impact kids like Velope and Peraza down the road. Aaron Judge. What I say? Aaron Aaron Rodgers.
0: Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers might come too. We never know. Oh
4: my gosh, how did I do that? Aaron, this this situation will impact the kids too because they're going to see how they treat players who come up through the system. And the first time they get a chance to get a real payday, the team. I want
0: to ask you. I want to ask you a question. What has Aaron Judge done to deserve a huge contract? I want to know one thing.
4: Aaron Judge is the face of
0: this. This. I don't care what has he done on the field. To to be legitimately one of the highest play baseball players you in mean, the judge league. Was,
4: wait, a Top five MVP getter last year. Uh he First, a kid, first
0: right? of all, he's it's his first five-tool player. He runs the baseball fields. First of all, this is the first full year he had was last year with the Yankees, besides okay. his year. First full year in like what five years. And he's not like he hit 50 home runs and batted 350 and drove in 150 runs. So, I, you he's know, listen, I like Aaron Judge. I think he's a good ball player. He has done nothing for me to prove he deserves one of the highest paid contracts in the league.
4: He uh, Aaron Judge is the type of guy you build your team around based on the if what you If he's on, if, on, if, he's he's on the, if he's on the field, he gets injured a lot. I don't disagree, and it's a crapshoot anytime. time. You signed uh, a listen, guy to listen, contract. Listen, contract. listen Keith,
0: I I'm just disagreeing what you say. We bring people up and don't sign them uh to big contracts. We did it with Jeter. We paid Bertie Williams pretty well. Jorge Posada, we paid pretty well. And we paid Pettit pretty well. I don't agree with that and I'm
3: tired
4: I'm tired really last contract, they told him to go out and find a better deal. I'm tired of it. They ended up signing. Him. They ended, up, they to ended
0: up signing him to a good ch- contract in the end. Keith. I didn't say it wasn't good. All but all that's I'm not telling you, guys, that you been that you come all, up through your organization. All I'm saying is, I don't see Aaron Judge as even a top ten player in Major League Baseball. Or Major League
4: Baseball right now, he's
0: not. He's
4: well, not healthy. He is healthy. He is well, healthy anybody could be if they if they're a superstar. Is Mike Trout one of the? Is Mike Trout one of the ten best players in
0: baseball? Mike Trout has played a lot more than, uh, than Aaron Judge. Not a lot more. Not the a last four years. He's been on the field a lot more than Aaron Judge. That's Let's that's, look at the last
4: three years. I, we won't do it right now, obviously. But let's look at the last three years. years. I, I got to
0: point out one thing.
1: Aaron Judge missed a significant amount of time one year because he got hit on the hand with a pitch. That doesn't make him injury. Oh, him.
0: Stop it. He, he still, got
1: hit by a pitch. That's
4: I do them to be oh, out. Stop. You've stop. got me in this unenviable position to agree with Jack again. Jeez. That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. I want you
0: to, because because then I can then I can then I can bother both of you. Anyway, let's get, <laughs> let's get last to talk a little bit about the Patriots. The Patriots making moves to strengthen their defensive backfield. Of Ugh. course, Miami is 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 building up their receiving core, and of course, Buffalo has a strong receiving core. So. Yeah. The Patriots got to make some moves. They bring back Malcolm Butler, uh, the guy who they sat down during the Super Bowl, and they resign signed So you guys uh, are trying to build, build your defensive backfield up. Uh, what do you think about the Patriots now? I, are they the third-best team in the league now in the division?
4: Uh, they may be. I'm not crazy about their offseason. I mean, if, if you want me to get excited about Malcolm Butler coming back here when they, they benched him in a Super Bowl, and after that two teams let him go because he couldn't even play for the Titans. <laughs> I,
1: I, he had a good year. No, no, Keith, he had a good year uh, a couple of years ago. He sat out last year, but he had a good year the year before that. So I think there might be something left.
4: I'm not sure. I hope so. But, again, this is not going to get me excited. Uh, I like the kid they brought in from Cleveland, Mack, the the linebacker, because I think he's got some good upside and, and adds some versatility to that, to that linebacker core. But I'm glad they re-signed uh, um Trent, uh, oh gosh, now his name's escaping I me. Mean, the, the offensive lineman, Trent, Trent Brown.
1: Oh, uh, Williams,
4: Trent Williams. Sorry, Trent Williams. Uh, looked like he was gone, uh, and they did manage to bring him back, which I think is probably the most significant thing they've done, bringing him and McCordy back. But I'm not crazy about the offseason. I mean, yes, we got the best clipboard pl- uh, carrier in the league back, but again, I haven't, they've not improved anywhere on the field in my mind. And uh, now we're going to watch Julian Edelman go back to Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay make another run with should more the
1: Patriots. Patriots change their philosophy. I discussed this with Mac yesterday. It seems they'll never sign an elite player for major money, like a Tyreek Hill. They never do that. They'd rather invest the money on a few lower-level players. Should, a is it time to maybe change their philosophy if they can get a superstar player, just go for it?
4: You know, fiscal, fiscally, they've always, uh, you know, nobody gets paid except the quarterback and the head coach, basically, and they're gonna, they're gonna chintz out everywhere else. The only major player I can think of, I mean, they brought a couple, and Corey Dillon was still at his top when he came in here and was a good producer, uh, and they won Super Bowls with him. They brought Randy uh, Moss in. So that's another example he, but, had,
1: issue, he yeah. had issues with other teams. He was like yeah. a reclamation project in a way when the Patriots got him.
4: Also never won a Super Bowl with Randy Moss either. So yeah, but yeah. I don't I think that philosophy is not going to change as long as you know Belichick and is making the decisions and and Bob Kraft is the owner.
0: And as long as the Patriots continue to be successful being
4: And that's the other part
0: of it, right? I, I, agree I agree with you. Keith, it was fun having having a judge debate with you. And uh, and you know maybe one day he will maybe one day he'll become a real good player. We'll wait and see. Uh, you know how it how it pans out. I mean, why not? Why not throw him fifty million a year? I mean, he's worth every penny. But anyway, uh, I had to put
4: worse money on worse players. I'll tell yeah, you.
0: Well, let's continue doing the same thing. Keith, <laughs> it was fun having you in. I love having fun with you. Everybody, check oh, out TGI. It's, it's all good. good with Keith Angle as he uh, covers all sports. And he's all over the March Madness and his college huddle. Keith, have a great, great Friday, and we'll
4: talk to you on Sunday, my friend. You guys have a great weekend. Don't tell Jim Jeffcoat what I said about. Oh, that. I'm
0: You know, hey, I'm Jim, calling him. Everyone whatever.
1: is attacking. Uh, I, was all, I was all
4: in jest. I was just kidding. Byron
1: attacked them. I, you know, <laughs> maybe accidentally attacked him. You're attacking him. I, you
4: I, I may not be able to make it. I may not be able to make
1: it.
0: We'll all get together. We'll all get together uh, one 27 June. And yeah. Jim, will be, Jim will be able to talk to all, uh, at least Jack and Keith about what they said. So it'll be fun to see. I'm and gonna. Guys, I'm a little
4: concerned now. <laughs> you
0: guys, take it easy. Keith. Bad, <laughs> but, bad, it. All right. So there you go. Keith Angle, TDI Sports. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we got the Philly sports guy himself, Jamie Pags, who will be enlightening us and all Philly sports and all sports in general as he comes in and wows us with his on-stage and on-air brilliance. We'll be right back, folks, after these messages.
3: Classic TV channel.
0: is <laughs> one doesn't fade, even when your thirst is done. The oh, most
3: rewarding flavor in this man's world. People who are having fun. Schaefer is the one beer they have when you're having more than one. You ever wonder what makes Schaefer the one beer to have when you're having more than one? One reason is more than one fermentation. Most brewers just ferment their beer once. But Schaefer is fermented twice. Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through, glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason. But of course, there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations so talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path because when you talk they hear you for more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov i mean you can see right now without lebron
0: lakers are, are struggling Let me tell you about a team I hate, alright? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this team. Oh, I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try
4: very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn, I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, from Brooklyn, hey! Hey, isn't he?
0: This is Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning everyone and welcome back to the mac and jack sports show as we're live Thursdays through sunday 8 to 10 a.m this is our friday edition live on Roku tv youtube and facebook i'm your host mac with your co-host jack hirsch and backstage right now folks we got one of our favorite guests that come in every week with us even on sunday sometimes so well, all the time really if he doesn't oversleep uh the philly sports guy pads himself Let's bring them up and see what's going on in the world of the Philly sports guy. How you doing, Pags?
5: I'm doing well. Just one time I oversleep, they they change the hours on me, and I I get I get late late as a, as an
0: oversleeper. Yes, yes, labeled labeled for life, Pags, labeled for life. So, uh, listen, Pags, we've had a lot a lot of things going on. We got the March Madness. We got the NBA. We got the NFL going crazy. We've got uh, you know the NHL getting closer to the playoffs, uh, the playoff series coming up with them. And, and it's just, it seems that this type of year, everything kind of is going nuts. The NFL course off, but they're always in the news with all the free agency. And of course the draft is coming up and we'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit here, but your team over there from Philly, Villanova doing their thing packs. Well,
5: I, I actually figured that they were going to make it this far. I expected them to beat Michigan Uh, I thought Michigan had a great run and did uh, everything they could to get to this point, Uh, but I didn't think they were going to get past Villanova. Uh, Villanova's next test is going to be Houston. I was listening and and hearing that, uh, 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 oh, my God, uh, his name just escaped me. Uh, who was just on before me. uh, Keith. Keith, Keith, oh, my God, uh, said that he thought that Houston was a fraud, and I'm like, I got Houston going to the finals. Uh, Now, I had them losing to Gonzaga, which really killed my bracket last night. But beyond that, I really, you know, I thought that Houston's going to be the better team. The reason being is that Houston's defense is number one in college basketball. And that's the one thing that can really beat Villanova. Really good defense is going to be able to put the test to them. Now, I'm, I'm going to be more rooting for them than Houston, of course, but. I think it's going to be a really tough test for them moving
1: forward. It's just a question. If Villanova's a Philadelphia team, and I've never thought of this. The four major professional sports, if the Eagles, Phillies, 76ers, or Flyers win a championship, the team has a parade, their head over heels, you know, over what went on. If Villanova wins it, is it a city thing? Is it? As big what's the atmosphere like you know when a villanova wins it
5: it's interesting that you mentioned this this was discussed last night on a podcast that i i was uh uh a guest in uh that some people it's it's really divided a lot of philadelphia people say that villanova is not a philadelphia school people who like villanova know that it's a philadelphia school and Raleigh Massimino, uh, Philadelphia used to have what would call the Big Five, and they would have all the Philadelphia teams go against one another. And Raleigh Massimino really put an end to that because he thought Villanova was above playing those teams. He didn't want to have to play LaSalle or St. Joe's. Uh, and Temple was of the same ilk, but not necessarily something that he wanted to get involved with. And he pulled Villanova out of that Big Five. And since then, it's been not listed as a Philadelphia team. Yeah, times have changed. They don't have the Big Five anymore. So it's, it's a little different nowadays. But realistically, it's, it, in 85, I believe they did have a parade. The last two, I don't remember a parade happening, at least not in the traditional sense in Philadelphia. So my expectation is, is that there will not be a Philadelphia parade if they were to win the national championship again. Plus, it's becoming a little bit old hat if he does.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Good point. So let's 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 jump over to your 76ers without Embiid, without Harden, Maxie has been playing some unbelievable ball. It looks like he's become your third option, Pags. I mean, you could take Harrison and sit him on the bench if you want, Maxi. And, and and it's not like he's he's overwhelming you, right? He doesn't score forty points and and you know grab uh, ten rebounds and and have twenty assists or something like that. But he plays big when you guys need him to play big, like like he did against the Lakers. I mean, it comes down to the fourth quarter. Somebody's got to take the lead. And Maxi has been doing that this year. You saw a little, a little bit of it last year, right? You saw a little bit what he could do, but this year he's kind of taking the bull by the horns. And when when the when the team is down, Maxi just kind of keeps them there or brings them up, uh, brings them up above the uh, the competition. And I mean, you've got to be really happy with that right now over in Philadelphia.
5: Really impressed with him. I, the one thing that really I think it's surprising everybody is his speed. like at, at first you were like, uh, he's got an okay shot. he's I mean, I think he's hitting a, a, a you know a good percentage from three. and you know obviously this is his second year, so it's but you could tell one, he's having a lot of fun playing. like it's it's the amount of fun he's having on the floor. you could just tell his face, he's just enjoying his time out there. But the speed he actually shows on the court, I think it it, it actually surprises defenders that, that he can get by them so quickly. And I don't think that they're expecting that. And, you know, when we drafted him, you know, I, I have a Twitter group that uh, I'd like to shout out every once in a while. And they brought him in here uh, into my group. And I, the first question I was is that, who is he? You know, it's like, I, I mean, I know that he's from Kentucky or, you know, wherever he was, and they said guards from that program are gold. And you just watch this evolve, and he's just, you know, he's been really out of this world, Um, much better than I think than what his pick was. I didn't think he was a 22nd pick in the draft.
0: Yeah, he's 21st. So,
5: I mean, this is, you know, I can't think of 21 other people, you know, that are, are even really playing better than him right now, just off the top of my head. And he is a really a third option. And you know what? It's Harden. Like he takes what Harden's saying like a sponge. You could tell that Harden's able to coach him up really well. And that was really integral in playing against the Heat. He was getting coached up left and right. And and ultimately, they beat the Heat with neither one of them playing, with neither Embiid
1: or Harden playing. Yeah. Yeah. What is the sixer window with Harden and Embiid? Kevin Durant, for example, said the other day, "Their window goes beyond this year. They don't have to win the NBA title this year. Their window's wide open." About how far does the Embiid Harden window go? Is it maybe next year? Is that about it? If they don't win it by next year, I'm seriously contend for the NBA title. Did they then have to? So I I think that a little bit of that has to deal
5: with uh, an off season, you know. So I'd love to, you know, uh, as this team is constructed, uh, you know, I'd probably give it a year or two more, uh, as there's a lot of talk on what's going to happen after this season. How are we going to move forward? You know, that do we really need that third slash fourth option uh, that uh, right now? Maxie stepping up into the number three, but the highest played player on the team is kind of gets lost in the shuffle here. And that's that happens to be Harris and what can be done with him in the process. And maybe if we were to trade that away, would we be able to get value back or get something back in return uh, through free agency and do a sign that way? That could be the real third piece that we would need. <clears throat> Well, let me, let uh, me get Andre Drummond to
1: coming back. Andre I'm sorry? Andre Drummond's gonna be a free agent to the Sixers sign him.
5: I I don't understand why they wouldn't. <clears throat> I mean, he was not only, not only, I mean, his stock went way up this year, though. Uh, I gotta imagine that it's gonna be a lot more money to sign him now. I mean, he signed for what, a million dollars. It was like veteran minimum uh, to come here for one season. Uh, and definitely showed his worth. I'd love for him to come back. I think he like he would like to come back. Uh, it becomes a matter of money.
0: So, so, so our old friend Frankie says he loves your your look. Uh, you keeping it in for the next season, of course. Uh, Pags is is a man of many faces. So, is that what's going to happen, Pags? Are you keeping it?
5: Uh, well, I you know I, I'm getting told a lot that I look like the Tiger King. Yes. With the way that this looks i've never even seen the show but uh, i mean i got to assume that uh you know whoever this guy is he gained as handsome
1: as me in the first place you're gonna you do stuff on draft night right nfl draft night we're gonna, gonna, we're, gonna, that again? we're gonna we're
0: gonna we're gonna get to that in a minute jack uh about draft night i think you look more like that dude that does the, the diners and drives uh uh, that cooked their, uh, they, oh the, uh, you
5: know, Guy Fieri.
0: Yeah, there you go. You look a little bit like Guy Fieri there, Pags. Uh, let's get know, that- I, hey, it's, I mean, I <laughs> guess
5: that's, I guess that's better than the tiger King.
0: I, but- I don't even know. I don't know who the tiger King is either. So back to Maxie really quick. Cause I didn't finish with him. We he's, he's averaging 17.4 points a game, 4.3 a set, uh, assists and shooting 41% from three point range. Um, Listen, I, 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 I'm not gushing over this kid, but I'm telling you right now, playoff time comes. This kid's going to be very important. I think he's going to be more important than Embiid and and Harden for you guys if you guys are going to make a run, because they're going to be they're going to be all over Embiid. Embiid's going to have to fight. They're going to be all over Harden in his long shot, and it's good to have that little third option over there that can take over a game when he has to and kind of bring them people away from Embiid and Harden I think you guys got a real little piece of gold there in Maxi, especially being the 21st 22nd pick I mean I I I just can't stress how, how enough how big this is going to be the 76ers going to play off time I really believe that um
5: I agree with you and I feel like that they are going to go I mean obviously you know Embiid and Harden are going it's going to be important that they play their best and such like that and you know it's I mean, it's setting itself up that it's going to look like a really difficult schedule where, you know, we're going to have to get past the Nets, the Bucks, and the Heat, you know, and to get to the finals. That's going to be that's going to be really tough to do. Um, The Bulls are not not going to make it. I
0: don't think so either. I and think I the think Bulls were like
5: ready. the Knicks of last year.
1: Keep in uh, mind, Harden has a history of not playing well in big games, and he's going to have to play very well in big games. Didn't Harden go to the finals one
5: year, like with Houston, and, and literally brought them to the finals? No, like, he didn't go to the finals.
1: Game. He had an awful game, seven against Golden State, to see which team would go to the finals. A terrible shooting game, and Golden State won the game. Because Harden was awful in the big spot, but mm-hmm. they literally put Iguodala on him nonstop.
5: It was like, well, if you're a superstar, you find the key. You know what I mean? But sometimes, I mean, Iguodala is listed as one of the best defenders ever in basketball. So I mean, you're getting somebody who's a number, who's a,
1: an amazing but shooter. Harden was their franchise player. You got to get it done. You got to at the very least play well, if not great. Well, no. uh, so he got that one game, but he got all the way to game seven.
5: You know, he did get it. He did do that. And he was doing it by himself, from what I
1: remember.
0: Well, you know. So, I mean, he had
1: Chris, no, he had Chris Paul, and Chris Paul had some discontent with Harden when they were with the Rockets. So, you know, jury's still out with Harden. Yes.
0: Yeah, the pass is the pass. I mean, Christ, Carl Malone's one of the greatest basketball players of all time, and they didn't win a championship either. So things happen. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Different team, different situation. You don't have to just de- depend on Harden. So we'll see what no,
1: happens. No, I'm not saying winning the championship. I'm saying he hasn't played well in big games. No, I mean,
0: traditionally, you know. that's all I'm saying.
1: I'm not saying the end result of what his team well, is. Well, to be honest, I feel like that – it the Sixers
5: are going to go as far as Maxi and Thibault. Now I know Matisse Thibault is that defensive guy. I, I wish he had a little bit more height and did a lot more in the rebounding situation. I feel like offensive rebounds are going to really kill the Sixers in the playoffs. And that's something that's got to get fixed uh, moving forward. That being said, uh, you know, I feel like Matisse Thibault has got to get his eight points a game and Hard, that's where Harden is going to be able to, you know, by dishing it to them, him and Maxi. And, and when you take, when you got four guys defending two, there's going to be a lot of open people around. And, and ultimately, we're going to need Harris to step up a little bit. Right. Maxi's going Harris. to continue what he's doing. And Matisse Thibault is going to need to get his eight to 10 points a game. And really, you know, they like said they got to shoot about 40%, 45% from the field. And hold the other team to forty-five percent because ultimately, if they do that, they'll win those games.
0: Yeah, I just, I just still think the Bucks are the favorite, and they have too much fun, and they look like so much of a close team. Uh, that team is dangerous, and that team's gonna be dangerous. I, and I
5: agree, I agree. That's that's gonna be the biggest challenge. I'm not as concerned about the Nets or the Heat. No, I am more concerned about.
0: Yeah. Us. I mean, they just you you watch it, Pags. Jack said it too. It just looks like they have fun. They're talking to the fans. No, up. no
1: one talks about the Boston Celtics. They the last month and a half have been as good as anyone
5: in the league. The
0: Celtics league. are good. Yeah. The Celtics are good. There's no doubt about are, it. I mean, do
1: you,
5: I? Do you get a little feel that the Celtics may be peaking a little early? Maybe. That
2: I, that,
5: I mean, I, I I I they are. They're they're playing great basketball right yeah. now. Very together. Very inspired. I feel that they are a little ahead of schedule, that they're a little peaking a little early and that once they get into the playoffs, it may be like a little bit on the downsides.
1: Pags. They had so much turmoil early in the year. I can't, there's no such thing as peaking early in the case of the Boston
0: Celtics. Yeah, well, listen, the Celtics are playing great right now. I ain't going to take nothing. They, they'll they beat anybody right now. They're that good this year. Uh, But Playoff time is different. It's different, and uh, hopefully the Celtics play. I, w- I would love to see the, the Celtics in the Eastern Finals. That would be great. Hey, hey,
1: Joel bead loves
0: Jimmy Butler, and with the big argument Jimmy Butler
1: had on the sideline, you never know Jimmy Butler, if any, you know, Maxie, uh, would they trade him to the Heat for Jimmy Butler in a major offseason deal? You know, you kind of wonder. No, no, actually, that money wouldn't work,
5: but you could see them trade – Matisse Thybulle and and uh, Harris for Butler, depending on how how much discontent there is there. Uh, Butler, and, I know Butler. that Butler Butler would play with Embiid. I don't know how that would work with Harden.
0: Butler, but listen, Butler's is a little piece of dynamite. That dude go off at any time. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would like Butler in my locker room. As great a basketball player he is. I don't well, know. He was
5: good here in Philly, and, and they liked him in Philly. He just didn't get along well with Ben Simmons. They had a, a personality conflict. That would He's be just, the fear that I have with Harden.
0: He doesn't seem to get—he doesn't conflict. seem to get along with a lot of people. He reminds me a lot uh, of a couple players in the NBA that are great players, but they seem maybe you,
1: maybe you got the answer, uh, Pax Harden for Butler if you can make the money work straight out. You know, if, it, if the six, it's got eliminated in the playoffs. You never know. Two stars, uh, uh, maybe, but I don't know
5: that. I don't know that Morey, who's is going to be able to do that because he's, you know, that's his man. Harden's his man. So it's. I don't expect that that would ever
0: occur. So, so Frankie asks us, do you have a prediction for the finals? I do. I think it's the Bucks against the Suns, and the Bucks win again. That's what I think. So that's my prediction. So. Same thing. I last. think if the
5: Suns make it, they beat the Bucks. Um, I think the Suns maybe. are a little bit, uh, a little bit hungrier.
0: Yeah. Than the they, they, make me. No, um, they. They. they, as, like they got,
5: they're going to have a tough road getting out themselves. Obviously, their first round will be a lot easier. But getting past, I mean, I guess it's either going to be getting past the Warriors or the Grizzlies. And really? I think that either one of those teams has a much better chance of getting past the Suns. That I think anybody in the East does, although East is a stronger conference, I feel just by the play, I yeah, feel I that, that the Suns, the Suns are just hungry, and if they make it, I think that they, I don't think they do it in four, as the one guy suggested, but I, I feel that uh that it's they're going to win this year. That this maybe, is the
0: Suns' year. Maybe, maybe, maybe finally, because they they have been playing well all year. It's a lot of teams that finish with those big records sometimes and the messing up in the playoffs, but we'll see what happens. Um And Grizzlies, I I, I would love the Grizzlies to go to championship. That would be a one hell of a story. I'll tell you that. That would be an unbelievable story. To yeah, John Morant,
5: John Morant would probably get a statue built down there for him already. You know what I mean? He's, and, been, he's and, been hurt. hurt
0: he's been hurt. And the Grizzlies have been wiping the floor with other teams. He's been out and they've been just destroying other teams. I mean, that's a good team. That's just a big. Yeah, team, Yeah, right? the
5: guy who looks like Aqua, I don't even know his name. I just, you know, I call him Aquaman. Aquaman. Did you say Aquaman? Is that
0: what you see? Yeah.
5: Okay. yeah he's, he's been, I mean, he really has been great over there. Yeah. And, he, you know, he is – I feel like he is the leader of that team, even though he's not the best scorer or whatever. Obviously, he's like a big man and he gets a lot of rebounds and stuff. But, I mean, I feel like that he is the leader of that team, and they are just following him well. So –
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I more part of the Grizzlies. I hope I would love for them to go to championship Eagles, three picks, mock drafts, have the Eagles going for a wide receiver, another deep threat. Is that what you guys need on that team? Or do you guys need uh, to build somewhere else?
5: I want, I want offensive line, defensive line and cornerback. Like I've been saying all along, Uh, first off, these mock drafts are ridiculous. You know what I mean? And I, I, You know, people ask me, oh, can you do a mock draft? I'm like, I have no idea who I'd even pick in the first place. I I don't know enough about these players. I don't watch any of the film and such like that, so I can't really speak intelligently. Here's what I do know. They don't make fast big men very often. So if you get the opportunity to get somebody who's able to push people around and, you know, whether it's going towards the quarterback or keeping them away from the quarterback, you want to get that guy. And that's, that's what you spend right. first-round talent on. The next thing that you spend it on is somebody who could defend a pass. Those are the things that you absolutely yes. positively need in a first-round talent. Beyond that, unless you're yeah. getting a quarterback, you don't need to get a wide receiver in the first round. I feel like that the fastest guy that we've got on our team, we got in the sixth round with Quez Watkins. So you could get receivers in the second and third and fourth and fifth okay. and undrafted because that's the, that's the kind of league that this is. You just got to have the, the talent evaluators that are able to pick out that stuff. That being said, yeah, I, I, um, you know, I feel like we could spend a lot more on defense than we need on offense, our, our receivers. You know, Pags,
0: Pags, you know, I, I belong to a lot of groups and sometimes I go through there, and, and these guys have no lives. I mean, they have actually – they watch film on these guys. And they're not even nothing associated with any kind of football team. And they're putting up uh, video clips of YouTube. I mean, these guys are into this stuff. I don't get it. But hey, I guess you gotta have a hobby doing something, right? So Pax, give us our give us before you go, we got a draft update. Anything else going on that that you can update North Streaming Sports about.
5: So th- this weekend is like charity weekend for me. So I'm actually doing a number of things uh, this Saturday, starting with uh, the Nearly Naked Ruck March, uh, which is happening for the 23rd Veterans Organization, uh, which is a veteran, uh, an organization, a nonprofit that uh, deals with veterans uh, and reacclimates them to civilian life and helps them deal with their PTSD and things of that nature. A really great organization. And then I am doing another right after that, I'm doing back to back uh, a charity thing for uh, fighting with Freddie uh, and uh, a friend of mine and and fellow podcaster, Freddie Burns. uh, His son was diagnosed with acute uh, lymphoblastic leukemia and, uh, you know, obviously the kid's two, three years old and has been fighting through this for the last year or so. So we're going to be doing benefits uh, for him as well. So this is a big, uh, this is a big weekend for charity, charity work. Uh, as we're moving forward, I, I'm putting together the the finishing touches on what could be a, a you know a big poker game that happens out in Vegas uh, with a representative from each NFL team uh, going for one prize for charity as well. So it's and then, of course, all the things that we're going to be doing right from the draft itself, uh, all the on on, you know, on the scene reports and things of that nature. I expect it to be a great time.
0: I can't wait. I can't wait. Back. So, folks, the Philly sports guy always working, always helping out, always doing charity. He just agreed to something for me last night, even though I probably had to twist his arm a hundred different ways to Tuesday. But he still did. And, and uh, you know, I, I always appreciate everything he does. Uh, for Northeast Streaming Sports and and anything he he does for the kids and and other charitable charitable organizations out there. PAGS is always on the move. So, uh, PAGS, thanks for coming in. We'll see you Sunday. Have a great Friday night, my friend. And, again, pleasure having you on as always.
5: I appreciate it, guys. Thank it's you. And right. just to let Jim know, I didn't bust anything on him today. Everybody no. else I heard was no. busting. Oh, I will. It's not me today.
0: I will. I will. But between Jack, Byron, and Keith, I don't know what the heck's going on with these three guys challenging a guy that's six foot seven, 300 pounds. I don't know what's going on. But hey, listen, if they ain't scared, I guess. We'll find out. Bags, have a great one, my friend.
5: All right. Take care, guys.
0: Take it easy, buddy. So there you go, folks. The Philly sports guy. Always a pleasure having him on the show, uh, giving us a bunch of information about Philly sports and all the things he does. Jack, and he does a lot of things for for charities and all that good stuff. And uh, all good got, stuff. Yeah, I got him. I got him going up to uh, uh, the Dream Ride in in August, which I'll announce really quick right now. Twenty seventh, twenty eighth. Hometown Foundation helps out. Uh, Kids with mental illness is a great, great cause. They have a few other ones they do, but that's the big one they do. And uh, Northeastern Streaming Sports is going to do something with the whole foundation this year. I've been in talks with them uh, behind the scenes, and we're going to get something going on the whole network for them as they try to help kids with mental illness, which is a great cause. Uh, at any time, you know, I, I and they do stuff with uh, military. They do stuff with animals. It's a great organization. So, folks, we're going to wrap it up for today. I appreciate you stopping by on our Friday. Tomorrow we have the big debate show when Dr. Paul comes in and we debate uh, some generic, some you know modern, some past sports topics, and there's always uh, disagreement and thoughts and opinions. It's a fun show that we have with Dr. Paul. We'll be on tomorrow, 8 to 10 a.m., uh, same time as always. And Sunday we'll have this week in sports with our co-host, the legendary Dallas Cowboy, two-time Super Bowl champion, Jim Jeffco, comes in and gives us our analysis, and I'll be able to at least tell him by then how much Jack ragged on on this, this day. So it'll be a lot of fun as we all get together and meet in person the 27th of June uh, at the Keep the Dream Alive uh, event, charity event. So folks, have a great Friday night. Jack, go out there and, and hassle up them seagulls and those landscapers and get some fun. Uh, in between time, uh, uh, another fun show. Always a pleasure doing the show with Jack Hirsch. So, folks, have a great day. Have a great night. And we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Mac.
1: You got it, buddy.